This album is dedicated to all brothers and sisters. My men and my women. And yo, it's time. Put our hands together for Hip hop, hip hop. Cause who I'm talking about, y'all, is hip hop. The stories of hip hop, of rap music, are the stories of a million MCs who, inside of them, the words are coming, the words they need to make sense of the world around them. The words are witty and blunt, abstract and linear, sober and fucked up. And when we decode that torrent of words, by which I mean really listen to them with our minds and our hearts open, we can understand their world better, and ours too. It's the same world. This is Rhymes and Reasons. My name is Tony Blackman. I am the first cultural ambassador for hip hop, uh, hip hop social entrepreneur and artist. I run a project called Freestyle Union and Rhyme Like a Girl, which are both projects that focus on using freestyle as a tool to promote social responsibility, artist development, and leadership amongst MCs and rap lyricists. One of my first songs, songs that are closest to my heart, that I feel like it's a part of my life history is a song by Rakim and Eric B called Eric B is President. I came in the door, I said it before, I never let the mic magnetize me no more, but it's biting me, fighting me, inviting me to rhyme, I can't hold it back, I'm looking for the line, taking off my coat, clearing my throat, the rhyme will be... That song reminds me of finishing up high school, reminds me of my first true connection to hip-hop from the East Coast, because I grew up in the Bay Area in California, and so we would get these underground tapes, literally really tapes. That's when a mixtape was actually a tape. A cassette when I was in uh, middle school and high school and I remember hearing them but that song for some reason it didn't. It felt like it went beyond this is New York like that for me. It just draws up so many memories every time I hear that song. But can you detect what's coming next from the flex of the wrist? Say indeed, then I proceed, cause my man made a mix. Every bleed, he won't be no band-aid to fix his fingertips. So I'm rhyming too, there's no rhymes left. I hurry up because the cut will make a bleed to death. But he's I think that there's a variety of reasons why this song by Rakim stands out for me. One is the the beat, the way the beat was made, the way it starts. Like the intro is like a hell of an intro. Like you just wait on the edge for when Rakim's flow is gonna enter over the groove. That's one reason. Go get a girl and get soft and warm. Decided you've been invited to a quiet storm, but now it's out of hand because you told me you hate me. And then you asked, What have I done lately? First, you said, All you want is love and affection. Let me be your angel and I'll be your protection. Take you out, buy you all kinds of things. I must have got you too hot and burned off your wind. You call the attitude. And also, because this song, it's equal parts grime, street, urban, big city. But it's also musical, and it also you can feel the funk and you can feel the soul in it, although it's somewhat sparse of a track. Okay. 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 
I'm from California in the Bay where I grew up listening to the Earth, Wind & Fire and the Barcades and a lot of outdoor, warm soul music. Sly and the Family Stone is from the Bay Area. And so there are pieces of what I like to hear that it just feels warm and I feel like this song, as hard as it is, it's equal parts warm. freestyle a lot, I improvise a lot, and I'm not that great with memorizing lyrics. You know those people at a concert that know every line to every song, and then they think because you don't know the lines that you don't love the song just as much. No! It's just that I get information overload and my mind gets crowded. Well, I make space for um, Rakim. <laughs> I absolutely, it, it makes me feel a certain way every time it comes on. The first time I heard this song, I was on the yard at Howard University. I was really, really overwhelmed by the energy of being around all these people who weren't from where I am from. Not only was that song going on, there were people doing a dance I had never seen. And so here I am, this teenage girl, and then everyone's doing this dance. I don't know what the dance is. And I was like the popular dancer where I grew up back home. So one, I'm feeling very, very unhealthy and needing to know, but then I'm also like overly stimulated with, I gotta learn this dance. And there's a dance called the WAP. And you'll never believe who taught me how to do the WAP the first time. <laughs> Raz Baraka, the poet and son of Amiri Baraka, the man whose voice is on Lauryn Hill's classic album, Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, who's gone on to be a local leader, highly respected politician in New Jersey, principal of a high school, a groundbreaking educator. But that's who taught me how to do the WAP. And I remember asking, can you teach me to do the WAP? I didn't realize who he was, but he was doing the WAP very well. Sensations in 88 attract the kids from out of state. And everybody used to do the WAP. Jack, Jack, Jack your body. Now the Bismarck used to amp up the party. I wish those days they didn't stop. Where I grew up in Cali, we actually listened to a lot of hip-hop. I really don't know how all of the hip-hop got there. Some of it through cassette tapes, there was this little music network. And then I grew up in the town, Pittsburgh, California, this town, where it was actually known as one of the most integrated towns in America. So much so that there was a psychologist and sociologist from Southern Illinois University that came to study my high school while I was a student there. They wanted to know how we all got along. So you had people who were Italian American. You had black American, African Americans who had migrated, our grandparents had migrated from Louisiana. You had Chinese Americans, you had Filipino, you had Mexican, you had a few people from India, you had Irish American roots. It was just, it was a real mix and everyone had a relative that worked at one of the factories. 
whether it's steel mill, whatever. So what we did was we, everyone played football or baseball, you um, went to church, and you ate a lot of good food. So imagine, lumpia one day, chilaquiles and tacos the next day, fried chicken and collard greens the next day, like that was my whole life. But music was the other unifier. And so when we were in high school, there was no argument. Like, there was no separation. Everyone listened to hip-hop. So at our proms, we never had to argue over playing the Eagles and Metallica versus Run DMC. We all listen to Run DMC. Like, as a matter of fact, I even have pictures from Halloween where I was a cheerleader and two of my best friends were also cheerleaders. And we were Run DMC for Halloween. So hip-hop was very much a part of where I grew up. When I was in elementary school, there were breakdance competitions, and I popped. I didn't break, I will admit. I just was never a fan of spinning on floors. Could be the girl in me. But I popped and I locked. And so it started from a very young age, and I started freestyling not knowing that I was freestyling. When I was in junior high school, we would ride the bus. Proposition 13 had come and cut all the public buses, school buses from our side of town, cut all the arts programs, all the music programs. So not only did we have nothing to do once we got to school, we were at school 40 to 45 minutes early because of the way the bus is system. So we would freestyle on the bus. This was um, the 70s, so memories of the Black Panthers were very fresh, and the Civil Rights Movement was very fresh. And my mother's bookshelf and record collection are probably the reason why I am who I am. I became who I am because of those things that were in our home. I think the world kind of crumbled in on me, which is why hip-hop became such a big part of my life. Between around 10, 11, and 12, when I realized we didn't have enough money for school clothes, we didn't have money for that, or the school trip, and I fought, like I fought depression, but I feel like one of the things that kept me from going too far into the deep end was music and poetry. My aunt was a poet, so I knew looking at her, my mom's sister and a black woman, I could be a poet too. Oh my people, what is your worth? What is your worth? What is your worth? Tell of the earth. Oh, oh my people. Oh my people. <laughs> oh my people. What is your worth? Oh my people. <laughs> oh my people. What is your worth? One of the reasons why I chose to go to Howard University in DC. I wanted to have a different level of consciousness, see the world outside of my town, and also have a greater understanding of my own history, which wasn't taught in schools. 
and then I bumped into a few really great teachers, which is why I'm such an advocate for supporting teachers and for education because those teachers were like angels who kind of pushed, 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 put their foot in my butt, pushed, 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 and made sure that I had access to any opportunity that came along. And I would be drawn to the professors who were the most progressive. And so the slightly radical ones. So the, the Jewish professor who was still being followed by the CIA. He'd sit there and talk to me for two hours after class. You know, like that. The Nigerian professor whose father was in the such and such regime with Kwame Nkrumah. This professor who danced with Catherine Dunham. Ethelbert Miller, who still runs the African American Resource Center. And Dr. Stephen Henderson, who died years and years ago. But he was one of the main cultural archivists of the black arts movement in terms of poetry. And I had this man's class twice. And so. I was a questioner. I could question anything I wanted to. And so, you know, that's one of the benefits of going to university. It's funny, when I got to D.C. and there was this idea of the chocolate city, I had this fantasy in my head, this idealistic mecca of black education. I'm going to meet these people from all over the world, forgetting about people are people and forgetting about class divisions and forgetting about cultural divisions and forgetting about regionalism in terms of divisions and all those things. So those were like, each of those were huge slaps in the face uh, for me. But I remember the shock coming to campus and seeing black post office people and then the, the black professors and then the black taxi cab drivers and then the black cafeteria workers and then I was walking across the yard and there were black squirrels. And that was just like one of the most hilarious things to me. But I remember in high school, I don't remember seeing a whole lot of guys carrying books in general, studying, particularly athletes, just studying a lot. And then I definitely didn't remember seeing any black boys sitting in a library studying. But when I went to Howard, I remember my freshman year, there were my roommates and hallmates in my dorm, freshman dorm, and they were all looking at the cute boys and... <gasps> Oh, he's on the soccer team. He's from Trinidad. Oh, oh he's on a football team. His quarterback, he was, uh, what is it called? All city, all state, and da da da. So they were going through these things. And I just stood there with my mouth open. And one of my friends, she asked me, she said, what's wrong? And I didn't, I didn't know how to articulate it at the time. But I was in shock because the library was filled with guys reading books. Because I was this good student, student leader, homecoming queen, competitive speaker, 
people would assume that my self-esteem would be fully intact and she's successful and she's making her own way to school but it's very difficult when you don't see anyone that looks like you studying and you're the only one with a book at Howard University was a bittersweet experience. It was school days. I lived it. I breathed it. I cried from it. My school days experience, I called it my Spike Lee movie moment, was my entire junior year where there was controversy after controversy after controversy and I was naive. I didn't understand that my personal power yet. I didn't understand my value as a poet, as a performer, as a person, as a woman. And I was constantly questioning myself. So I, it was almost like I would be immature, naive, and somewhat reckless with just sharing, giving away, and then not knowing why people were reacting this way or that way. So I could read this really revolutionary radical poem and then be clueless as to why this group of friends who come from a very conservative background are feeling uncomfortable, you know, those sorts of things. I was in the school pageant and I had one Miss School of Communications and I had this moment where I lived the literal dark skin, natural hair versus the light skin, green eyes, blonde hair, black woman, and also from different class backgrounds. And she was in the right sorority. And so we had this conflict that came up in which the campus was then split. So you had a percentage of people who were arguing in the editorial section of the school paper for this woman. But then you had a whole bunch of people who had their fists in the air, were screaming, who were pissed off that this was happening at our school. Yet, at the end of the day, no one really took into account how this conflict in impacted either her or me. It's just we were the reason it occurred. And so it was, it was a, a full out battle. I won first runner up and this girl won. It still fascinates me today that I went through that at such a young age. It was a, it was a huge awakening for me. Very painful though, very painful at times. When the scene unfolds, young girls, 13 years old, exposed themselves to any taunting and hate. Got more, stretch marks than these hoes, holler they got rank. See Sega ain't in this new world, alter them, experimenting in Atlanta, Georgia, United Nations overseas. Assassins do search and seeds Ain't knocking or asking The common folk niggas like me Pro white trash like they Tricks like hugs Back in slavery Concentration camps Snakes with gas pipelines Throw those out those Like they had back When they don't Pick up Which they went in 1945 Listen to me now Believe me later on In the future Look it up Where they see In the constitution That in your fit Of a race war Places like Operation Heartbreak Hotel Mormon's tail Until that tight vent Seal off this bell Them say expect no mercy Fool You should be my least worries Got a deal with W-2-10 99 Small mark Black helicopter Swoop down 
and try to put missiles in my Another memorable song for me is Cell Therapy by Goody Mob. This song is important because I discovered it while I was in DC. I had been running the Freestyle Union Cypher workshop for a couple of years by then. I was performing actively again as a hip-hop artist with a crew of MCs with Freestyle Union there was just MCs coming out the woodwork in terms of lyrical skill abilities to improvise with content and substance while entertaining and there was something about being in a community of hip-hop artists not just fans and scholars and activists but actual artists who were intelligent who didn't need to go to college to be intelligent. The guy who worked for the post office, the guy who worked for the phone company, read books and newspapers and was aware of political events and goings-ons in the day. And at that time, because we were such a a tight-knit collective that had respect for hip-hop and for ourselves, the main venue in Washington, D.C. 930 Club, the booking person, would book us or some artists from our camp to open up for all the big shows. And then because I had created this project, I was on the guest list for every single thing. So I saw Karis one probably 50 times in the 90s. Apartment complex, a gate with the serial code was put up next. They claim that this community is so drug free, but it don't look that way to me. Cause I can see the young girls hanging out at the stove. 24 7 drunk is looking for a hit of the blow. It's powerful. Oh, you know what else they trying to do? Make a curfew, especially for me and you. The traces of the new world order. Time is getting shorter. If we don't get prepared, people, it's gonna be a soda. My mind won't allow me to not be curious. My folk don't understand, so they don't take it serious. But every now and then, I wonder if the gate was put up to keep crime out of keep our ass in. Goody Mob really represented to me hip hop in terms of that era and what it meant to say something as an MC, to question the status quo as a lyricist and to do it in very creative and unique ways. Then being from the South also added another twist because they were very Southern and even country at times, yet they were hot. I was just such a fan of their willingness to be themselves because we remember that era, the era of gangsta this and gangsta that and there were so many copycat puppeteering rap artists who because a record label said you know you smile too much in your pictures they started gritting their face all the time and then they started being insincere and basically lying on record and so Goody Mob stimulated my creativity, Goody Mob gave me hope, Goody Mob entertained me and that song Cell Therapy was so quirky, so underground, yes so it just resonated, it was just like so real and it could change the mood just like that. Listen up, little nigga, I'm talking to you about what your little ass need to be going through. I fall a victim too, and I know I shouldn't smoke so much, but I do with the crew every day on the 
average about four or five. I'm lucky to be alive at sunrise. I will realize the call after I lost my best friend, B. I recognize as a king. Who am I to take you to stop smoking? Now you over to disease and cold. And ain't 16 years old. This shit has got to stop. Let's take a walk through the top. I won't out of this hole. I'm in the cell under attack. No, go, folks. Stay in the hood. Got an eye on every move I make. Open your face to info. You ain't no, cause it's come low. Ha, the new world plan. Reach the planet without the Self therapy is one of those songs where you could close your eyes. Like, if you had a room full, filled with 30 students, have everyone listen to this song with their eyes closed, put a pin in each person's hand. Every person could come up with a video concept. Now, one might, might not make sense. One's video might be more abstract than the others, but it's just one of those songs. It's, it's part haunting and it, it's intoxicating. It's contagious. It doesn't leave you. It gets in you. And then that repetitive chorus, who's that peeking in my window? Pow. Nobody now. Like, it's, it's not clear. Did he shoot somebody? Is someone looking at him? You know, is he looking out the window? So this, it leaves so much room for thinking in terms of your response to it. It's, it's incredible. Got me bucking no hand with no phone. Look out for the man with the mask and the white pony on my back of bills. Staying off my toes, always on my heels. The same plane. Soldiers coming in the dark by plane to report the new system by rain. Tag my skin with your computer chip. Run your hand over the scanner to buy your dish now. No more fishing for your fish. No more fishing for the days of the old days. Past ways gone. Mind blown perception. Perception. My name on your selection. But I caught the cut. During that time, Grima came out. It was still a challenge for real MCs from DC to be recognized by DC. Because in DC, you had go go music, which was, you know, the top and the most prevalent form of youth music, urban music. And then you had this R&B thing on the other side of it. DC can be a very R&B city. At the same time, Neo Soul was evolving in Philly. It was evolving in Baltimore and DC. There was a hip-hop community, small but strong community of hip-hop artists in D.C. We were in D.C., in this small market, in this market not recognized for being hip-hop. People know it for go-go and politics. And so there were all these reasons, things that worked against D.C. being successful. But I know during the 90s, like the level of talent of the lyricist in D.C., like if we were to just go back... Just take all the songs from the 90s that artists made during that time and release those. People would just be blown away. DC completely changed me as an artist. That's why a lot of people think I am from DC. Like I became a part of the DC fabric and I was very comfortable in the DC fabric. I like to say I was born and raised in California, but I grew up in DC. And so I had mentors in DC who embraced 
who it is that I was meant to be. Deborah Minkart from an organization called Teaching for Change in DC was my educational mentor. She's the reason I started doing hip hop education workshops for teachers in DC public school. And then those teachers led me to doing workshops with students. So DC, DC made me as an artist. I was heavily influenced by the, the MCs there. Sub Z and uh, Kokai from the group Opus Akabin, Black Indian. There's a whole bunch of artists in DC and musicians in DC. There's so much talent in DC. I have yet to find a cipher anywhere in the world yet where there was that many MCs who had the capacity to get open from the heart and the mind at the same time and just come with it and just go for two hours straight where it almost feels like church at the end or where at the end of the cypher people leave the the venue the space sweating like they just did a workout and it could have been because that was an era and the time and the space for it and that's when it was supposed to happen and it never happened again but i don't believe that i think it had very much something to do with the space the go-go the blues dc being the chocolate city and the parliament funkadelic and the imprint that george clinton had left on the city frankie beverly and Mays, chuck brown like all of those influences and then bad brains and living color and and, and uh, lee scratch perry so all these musical influences impacted the lives of those mcs they listened to this stuff and it shaped who they became as lyricists. So DC shaped me in some very powerful ways. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you and take it slowly. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you and make you want me. Now that I escape, sleep, walk away. Those who correlate know the world they kick. Jail bars ain't golden gates. Those who fake, they break. When they meet their 400 pound mate, if I could rule the world, everyone would have a gun in the ghetto, of course. We get the up and on their horse. Kick around, drinking moonshine. I pour a sip on the concrete. But it deceased, but no, don't weep. Why Clef's in a state of sleep, thinking about the robbery that I did last week. Money in the bag, banker look like a drag. I wanna play with Pelicans from here to Baghdad. Gun blast, think fast, I think I'm hit. My girl pinched my hips to see if I still exist. I think not, I'll send a letter to my friends. A born again hooligan, only to be king again. My last song is Ready or Not by the Fugees. That whole Fugees album, The Score, was really special for me as a hip hop head. And I think primarily because of the presence of Lauryn Hill, but also because of Wyclef and the, the, the influences that shaped his sound. When I got to D.C., I had an immediate connection with artists from throughout the diaspora and music from other parts of the world, particularly when my Howard experience was challenging because my idealism was being pulled into question. I became friends with students who from, were from other countries. So students from Trinidad and Grenada and Antigua and Martinique and Nigeria and Senegal and South Africa, I started to develop this friendship circle. And so Wyclef's music, Wyclef's sound, it just, it, it's a part of that thing of growing up in DC. 
I play my enemies like a game of chess where I rest. No stress, stress. if you don't smoke sense. Less, I must confess, my destiny's manifest. In some vortex and sweats, I make tracks like I'm homeless. Rap orgies with Borgie and Bess. Capture your bounty like Elliot Ness. Yes, bless you if you represent the fool. But I hex you with some witches brew if you do do. Voodoo, I could do what you do. Easy. Believe me, frontin' niggas give me heebie-jeebie. So why you imitating Al Capone? I be needing Simone and defecating on your microphone. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you. The song itself has such a unique sound and the chant of the chorus was something everybody could sing along to and it's a coming out song like ready or not here I come like the way people like it's a coming out song you can come out and start your show with this kind of song and I remember seeing them at the old 930 club it was um small and it was um, crowded and it was kind of grimy. And I remember the first time I heard that song and the way it impacted me and the idea of this crew, once again, of real MCs. So that, that song, but that whole album, the score was, is, is for me. I, can, I might play it today. Refugees taking over the Buffalo soldier, dread like Rasta. On the 12 hour, fly by in my bomber. Crews run for cover, now they under pushing up flowers. Super fly, July's do a die. Toss me high, only pop fly with my boot from like high. I refugee from Guantanamo Bay. That's around the border like I'm cashless. My work with uh, Freestyle Union started from my work with Hip Hop Arts Movement, which was a hip hop theater collective prior to the term hip-hop theater kind of sticking and at the same time I was still running ciphers I started traveling and I ended up a last-minute trip to South Africa which opened up an entire new door for me and the Africa Exchange Fund funded um, an exchange I did with uh, Shaheen Ariftin and Isaac Chokwe Shaheen was in Prophets of the City, the first big hip-hop group from South Africa. He's now doing his PhD in Toronto. The State Department called me out the blue to do work as an American cultural specialist. I started to collaborate with a lot of artists from other countries. I was collecting footage. I'm actually working on a documentary now to go with the book Travels of a Lyrical Ambassador and putting together the music from some of those collabs and really excited to be doing that. And then I got a fellowship from the Soros Foundation for Rhyme Like a Girl. Rhyme Like a Girl is an initiative for girls and women, a la Freestyle Union. And Rhyme Like a Girl Collective has been a big part of my work because a lot of girls and women's issues have been driving a lot of social activism and stuff over the past five or six years.
the late latter part of 2011, I recommitted myself to my life's vision and my life's work. And my main mission was the elevation of hip hop music and culture worldwide and using hip hop as a tool for social change and being unapologetic about it. know that I've seen the impact that the ciphers and building in these communal spaces has made on artists. I know that 90% of the artists who participated in Freestyle Union later went on to become educators, either formally as teachers or as leaders running after school programs or as mentors in youth programs. I know that for a fact. I know the power of the cipher and I know that it works and for me that's what's most important right now. So my next step is can we create an economically viable, self-sustainable project with this work that we're doing? And I believe we can because there's no competition in terms of creating a socially conscious, productive group committed to artistic excellence and mastery of craft and respecting the tradition and history and becoming self-educated on political and social events. It's a lot of work. A lot of hip hop heads I know got tired of hip hop. So they took long breaks from it. And then a lot of the women MCs, let's say who I was around in 97, 98, they just, they just abandoned it. And so it comes back to how do we change it if we're not even in the conversation? We're not in the conversation. There are hip hop activists who are tired of these ad barter activists just showing up. Da da da. I'm like, well, dude is 21. I mean, yeah, he could have just showed up because he just showed up. He's 21. You know, so we get impatient, we get judgmental, and that's not being a good person when we do things that way. And we've got to be willing to move out of the way for younger um, leaders to grow and to develop and to know our position and our lane and then how to stay fresh and so I don't just stay in my little safe hip-hop purist cocoon because that's how you get corny really fast Hip-hop matters because it is connected to a long tradition of music and spoken word, because its relevancy began before it was even born, because it, it has this global reach. 